0: Reactive Redefined will reopen for enrollment on Monday, January 2nd. If you have been waiting to be a part of our group coaching program and you're already on the wait list, rest assured you will be the first to know when enrollment opens. If you'd like to be one of the first to know, be sure to join the wait list. You can check out the link in the show notes. If you feel like you need more immediate support, join the self-guided version of Reactive Redefined. In the meantime, and then we'll apply what you invested in the self-guided towards the group coaching program. Steph and I are so looking forward to welcoming new teams into Reactive Redefined and seeing you all thrive and grow together. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Disorderly Dogs, the podcast. I have one of my fantastic clients with me today, and she's going to share her experience inside of Reactive Redefined. So without further ado, Natalie, do you want to introduce yourself and June to the listeners?
1: Sure. Hi, everybody. Um, My name is Natalie. I live in Brooklyn, New York. My dog's name is June. She is coming up on three years old. We got her about two years ago. She's a little rescue girl from Texas. She's like medium size, got the floppy ears, a big curly tail, lots of energy still. Um, And she's an excellent dog. She's just got some leash reactivity.
0: Oh my God. And she is so cute. She is so cute. Did you do DNA on her? Do we know what she's made up of?
1: Oh, yeah, we got the test like five seconds after we got her. Um, she <laughs> she looks mostly like a German Shepherd with sort of like a whippet greyhound butt. And she does have both those dogs, but like less than 5% each. So kind of funny that those show up most obviously in her looks. She's like pit, Rottweiler, boxer, Kelpie, cattle dog, all kinds of stuff. She's like got like truly 12 dogs and oh. is a super mutt.
0: Oh my gosh, she's the perfect super But yeah, she yeah. she basically just looks like like a little lean shepherd. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Oh my God. Okay, so um, tell the listeners a little bit more about your initial journey with her. So was she like one-ish when you got her?
1: She was eight months when we got her and she, let's see, we got her. Yeah, she had like puppy energy and she was about 10 pounds lighter than she is now. So 45, so like pretty easy to handle so to speak on the leash it's not like I was worried about getting knocked over or like attacking someone or anything and she didn't seem particularly I would not have characterized it as aggressive or anything um it was just like you know saw a dog even from a block away and would start barking and was also at the full extent of her leash I think having not had a proper home yet and like hadn't been leash trained even to walk so um so yeah, I was just kind of like, wow, we have our hands full, you know, like I had a dog growing up that walked decently on the leash and also was like, happy to bark at a dog very far away. But like, we didn't pay it any mind. And I was like, Oh, this is annoying. I don't want to be like that owner. So um, so um, we got a trainer. And even though I sort of had known just from loving dogs and having one growing up that, you know, I think generally dog ownership, and maybe I'm wrong about this, but my impression of dog ownership had you know moved away from aversive tools so when we were looking for a dog trainer I was kind of like I do want an r-plus trainer but one didn't like do my research well enough two was feeling a little bit desperate for just any kind of guidance at that point point. and so yeah, that you want
0: to start things off on like the right foot with your new dog right like yeah okay, we, let's like get going on this totally I was like I don't
1: really know that I like can wait long and like have her be a total handful and get frustrated and whatever whatever so we like found someone that had really good ratings and you know he called himself a balance trainer and definitely like definitely like quote assessed our dog and then was like yeah yeah I think we should put her on prongs and that kind of was like Mah. but he like you know did the the zhuzhing of that scenario and I was like okay fine anyway long story they're short they're very obviously- good at like
0: justifying using them aren't they and oh, convincing totally, me and that it- you
1: should absolutely and it's like whether it's you know, messed up intentionally, or just because that's like what they believe. And they do believe that like, it's fine. And I was kind of like, Oh, this doesn't really sit right with me. But I was also like, well, whatever, it clearly is working well. So we had her on the prongs for like not long at all. It was probably like two months. And I was always it was always my goal to get her off them. I was like, I think this can be like a learning tool. And then hopefully we don't like I do not want to walk around this for her life. So we like walked her obviously, she got very good on the leash very quickly. And the long story short, the reason why I ended up taking her off the prongs, even though that was my goal, it kind of happened suddenly as she got bit by another dog while we were out walking, we did like an unleash greeting and we were with a friend dog, we were doing a parallel walk. And I think it was something about like the two against one vibes. This little dog, um, ended up like biting down and latching onto my dog's face. It was like very dramatic. It would not let go. I, like, you know, had visions in that 30 seconds or 45 seconds of it happening, like, not being able to pry the dog's mouth off, like, she's going to come away with a chunk of my dog's face. It was, like, very scary. And after that, I, like, read up about how to, like, help your dog recover from a bite. Um, And a lot of, like, what kept coming up most readily was, like, aversive tools are bad, aversive tools are bad. And so I kind of was like, okay, I think this is my jumpstart to, like, really restart on how to train her. And so I just was using a lot of the same training principles just without the aversive. and it kind of just shifted my mind I don't know and I had a lot of conversation with fellow dog owner friends and they recommended a couple people to follow you were one of them and so I think like over time just scrolling on Instagram for a year I've like really picked up a bunch of more philosophy than actual tools but it's really changed how I walked June on the leash and how she is in the world so that's like the that's the real big background um and then the more recent background is that um, where I think I have more luck or better skills on the leash, my partner was always taking her to the dog run. And that's something I never felt comfortable with after the bite incident. So uh, we kind of had these like opposite experiences with the dog or like different skill sets with the dog. And it was working really well. And then there was like a couple dog run interactions that my partner came home and he was like, I'm feeling less comfortable about her being at the dog run. Um, cause we had previously kind of like categorized her behavior as an on-leash issue, not an off-leash issue. And we knew she was like a little bit feisty at the dog run and like had some like alpha E, you know, big dog in kind of energy, but we didn't previously think it was an issue. And he came home enough times and was kind of like, I don't really trust her. And I'm worried that like, she's going to get herself into a situation or she's going to bite another dog. And so yeah. enter reactive redefined. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah. And it's like, it's overwhelming, right? Because it's like, there's, there's so many variables happening at the dog park and you don't want June to get hurt. You don't want June to do any hurting. Right. So right. that was, that was kind of the catalyst. We were like, okay, I feel like maybe reactive redefines going to be a good fit for us. Yeah, absolutely. And like,
1: yeah, I think it was just kind of like, I definitely want to approach training differently. I think we have like a really good foundation and we're both pretty stumped on like how to level up. So yeah. So yeah, this was like the next best step for sure.
0: Well, and I remember the initial one on one call. And I think we also need to shout out um your partner because you both really <laughs> you you both took on the work in this, right? Like you both mm-hmm. were committed to showing up and, and taking what I had to say to heart and really implementing it. But I remember, you know, the conversation we had because you did, you had really good skills, right? Like you you were taking treats. She was responding to you. She was responding to cues out of the world. It's not like it was like completely unfunctional. It's just in the closer proximity to dogs, we were still seeing this like lunging, barking, like slightly frustrated, maybe overly excited behavior.
1: Yeah. What it was mostly I think is that, and this was like, so, I mean, this is like the biggest thing I learned, even though I feel like I've learned a lot, like just the simple reframe of like when you, yes, when you mark in cookie, was what what you had, like, pointed out in our initial videos. Like, I think we had to, like, let her basically lose it so that we could capture it on video because we had gotten to such a functional place of, like, management or avoidance. And I thought about that as, like, oh, we're really good at walking our dog. And you were like, yeah, sure. But also, like, let's build her skill set so that she can, like, potentially interact with a dog and, like, see a dog without getting triggered rather than just kind of avoiding it. And I hadn't really ever thought about that's like I mean there were like the times where you know you can read your dog you're like about to you're like you're about to go over threshold like let's walk around this parked car rather than passing in close proximity but we'd be like effectively dangling a cookie in front of her nose to do so and I think you highlighting like you're basically playing the avoidance game rather than the like let's build towards interaction game and that alone was a huge reframe for me and I was like oh I see how this isn't actually skill building this is just maintenance for for ever and we still definitely walk around parked cars and she in some ways like loses it more now I think because she is trying to reframe her whole relationship to seeing a dog on a leash but at least now I feel like we're working towards something versus like plateauing in this neverland of like walking around parked cars or crossing the street.
0: Well, and okay, so I I want to talk more about like our initial conversation of that. But really quickly, I know something that like I really encouraged you both to think about at the beginning is like, okay, before the she got like bit by a dog on leash, it really was more excitement. But then we kind of felt like maybe some of her motivation for the behavior was shifting. So can you just tell the listeners just a little bit more about like, what you think is happening emotionally for June in those moments where she's like seeing dogs and having reactions?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know is honestly, I wish I had, I know you always push us to like think about what's going on. And I was like, well, I don't really know. But um, my, I think my impression when she was young, and maybe this is just the general feeling that we feel about puppies and in innocence, but I was like, she's just frustrated on the leash. She's just like hoping to meet the dog. She's excitable. Um, I think that is partially true. I also think the initial dog Um, trainer is correct that she and she's gotten much more confident being an older dog and in the city and like knowing us but I think she's relatively fearful um she does like sometimes we got her in what I call spooky season you know right around Halloween and like it's the first time that there's like leaves on the ground and there's wind and like noises happen or there's Halloween decorations up and like it will move and she'll lose her mind like that kind of stuff still happens but much less so but I think she was just kind of like new to the world new to the city and jumpy and so I do think even with dogs what even if it was the case that she's just excited and wants to meet them and the leash causes frustration because it's a barrier I do also think he was correct in that like my current read is that like she is a little bit posturing So that she's like, if something goes down, I want you to know that like, I'm ready to go. It's kind of the vibe I get. Like she's got a little bit of like assholeness enough that I think it's like, she's like, I'm scared. So I'm going to beat you to the punch here.
0: Yeah. And I think, I think the word I would use is just conflict, right? Mm. Like she does like dogs, but you also live in a very densely populated area where there is just tons of dogs no matter where you walk or what time you walk right like it's just mm-hmm. inevitable that's just part of life there's just a lot of dogs and I think that that social pressure I think really just kind of exacerbated the leash reactivity because mm-hmm. she was kind of excited but then also kind of nervous nervous and conflicted and like wait a minute what should I do here okay I'm gonna try this and she kind of got stuck in the like I think I'm was- try this reacting because it seems to be getting me where I
1: want to go here
0: right right yeah Yeah, it's funny and it's like oh go go ahead
1: go ahead I was just gonna say too it's like it's funny I for a while like when she was newer to us she was more reactive to little dogs and now I think she's consistently more reactive to bigger dogs which makes me think that it is like this posturing about being yeah conflicted or like scared to some degree where she's like you're bigger than me I'm a little intimidated so let me just like you know get big and get loud so that you know who's boss kind of so I think that there that's become more consistent whereas like sometimes she can pass a little dog and like barely even notice it um that's something I'm noticing in the like the trend of which way we've gone
0: yeah okay so like in the beginning you were doing a great job of using A lot of management, right? Like you were able to lure her past dogs and you were able to prevent reactions. And I remember we talked about how like that isn't bad, right? Like there are definitely Mm -hmm. some circumstances where you have to do that. But we literally just made the one tweak in sequence of events where we waited for her to actually acknowledge the dog before we started using the food reinforcer. And Mm -hmm. you know, it's such a small, simple tweak, but I feel like you've really been able to see like how that has influenced her perception of seeing dogs and in turn empowered her to make, some more choices on her own without having to heavily manage in every single situation. And of course, you live in a very busy area. There's lots of dogs. So sometimes you just have to revert to management. But do you want to talk just a little bit more about like some of the changes you saw when we kind of just made the tweak to like, instead of just luring her past, we were waiting until she acknowledged the dog. And that's when we started marking and rewarding.
1: Yeah, sure. I mean, I think what's been, I'm like, it's more for me than it was for her. I think <laughs> in some ways, it's just a very, I don't know. I i like. it feels obvious, right? It's like, if you're trying to really change her physiological, sp- physiological response long-term to seeing a dog and not losing her mind, it's like, you need to positively associate something with that. And so if I just like, we basically got to a place before reactive redefined where we would pull over and I would basically wait for her to disengage anyway and look at me and then reward that, which is where we are again now, but for a different reason. So um it's just very funny. It's like, it's so damn subtle. But yeah, just shoving cookies in her face and saying, yes, when she noticed a dog, which we don't need to do anymore, now she can naturally disengage and knows that the cookie's coming then. Um It's just, I think like her brain is now saying like, mom, look, did you see that dog? Rather than... Like I'm looking away, let's avoid this dog, you know?
0: Well, and for you all as a team, one, she's very young. Two, you had really good handling skills. Three, live in a busy area, right? Like if you lived in a suburban neighborhood where you didn't see that many dogs, you probably would have been fine just using management, right? Like it wasn't Mm -hmm. really that big of a deal, but it's like you see so many dogs that I wanted to get you all to a point where... June could understand and pick up a little bit more of the context cue right so mm-hmm. obviously you have to be aware you have to be paying attention of what's going on but I feel like June has a little bit more ability now to be like dog hey mom are you seeing this dog instead of you like always having to be proactive about seeing the dog first and directing her
1: yeah absolutely and I think also for us and this is admittedly some you know further learning we have to do and like a leap of faith so to speak but like I think because there was that previous understanding that it was leash reactivity was like primarily the issue. And like then it's become this like, she's kind of a bully at the dog park. We are still in the place where like we don't trust her totally with other dogs. And so it does get dicey for us, where it's like, yeah, I mean, I could happily kind of like live in this this level of skill for the walking but it's like you know you as a dog parent or any kind of parent you're like I want the world for my baby and <laughs> for us that means like we want her to be able to like go off leash and run around and your point was always like well remind me no shade to New York but like those dog parks are pretty trash right <laughs> and, <laughs> I mean my words not yours but like it's like a gravel hallway basically like it's not it's a dog park small space it's just such yeah. a small space. And it's, it's just like that, you know, and, but it, and like, we have a big backyard by Brooklyn standards and that's great, but that's not the social element. And she did have dog park friends. It just always felt kind of dicey. We're like, you know, we're still getting to know our dog. We're not body language experts. And we're kind of like, this could end badly. And it already kind of has once. So we're, we're definitely timid about that next phase, which I think she does really enjoy 95% of the time, you know, it's like, all it takes is the one bad experience to kind of be a baby about (laughs) approaching that again. But we are kind of like, it feels sad because we have like removed the dog park pretty much entirely since my partner got nervous about taking her there. And um, I totally get that because I have never gone by myself ever. So I totally, totally get it. But I'm also just like, that was such a positive outlet for her, like most of the time. So it's a both and thing where I'm kind of like, yeah, if we, if we didn't even, if dog parks didn't exist, you know, I'd be like, well, our dog is perfect. She's fine. But I'm kind of yeah. like, I do want to level up and like, make her life a little richer, and have have full confidence to be able to meet and greet a dog on a leash or at a park and not be worried about her biting someone's face off.
0: Yeah, well, and I think something we, we discussed a lot too, is that there's nothing wrong with June. It's just yeah. the environment, right? a very small enclosed space with a lot of dogs. It's just a lot of criteria for a lot of dogs. Right. And I remember mm-hmm. we talked about how like, that's not a scenario that Waylon would be successful in. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I know exactly what he would do. It'd be a total dick to other dogs and it wouldn't be successful. Right. So, you know, we also talked about how like y- you are not failing her, by you're actually really giving her the best life by not putting her in those situations where we know she doesn't have all of the tools to be successful right Mm -hmm. um -hmm. so so I want to I want to just talk a little bit more about like the dog friends because it is definitely something that while I was like okay if the dog park is making you feel uncomfortable don't (laughs) go there right like right don't do that but I didn't want that to mean that she was complete we were completely like abandoning social skills right because she needs that she really is great with dogs under the right conditions right Mm -hmm. so Something that I encourage you to do, and I think that this just takes time and confidence to build, was trying to open up a few more opportunities for on-leash greetings. Can you talk just a little bit more about that? Because I know that maybe you're feeling more confident than Brian is these days about the on-leash greeting.
1: Yeah, definitely. Which I'm grateful for because I've been in the fear position for so long, but I feel for him. Um yeah. And like, look, maybe this makes me equally a bully as my dog sometimes, but I'm like, I'm going to pick a small dog for an on-leash greeting because I do feel confident that I could like, you know, pry my dog's mouth open, God forbid, or like pick her up and move her away. Whereas if it was a big dog, I really don't feel confident about that. So I typically will. I mean, and granted, I think since we started on-leash greetings, I've only met four, five, six dogs, like not many, but, and that's partly, and this is such like a humans are more awkward than dogs. Our thing is like, especially in New York, man, people have got limited time and they're moving quickly. And it's like, you got to suss out from a half a block away, what's about to happen with this like weird dance and sign language, basically. Um, So most of the time, it doesn't pan out. But I'm trying to like suss out one, does your dog seem interested in my dog? Because most of the time, that's when I avoid it. Because if there's like fixation or, you know, excitement from a block away, like June's not gonna even like be paying attention to what I'm saying or doing or asking of her. So I usually like look for a dog that kind of is ho-hum about the situation
0: <laughs> and
1: right. is smaller than her and who's like owner doesn't have headphones on or is like clearly paying attention to their walk. <laughs> um, and my, yeah, I would say it's been successful. She definitely, I noticed like wags her tail initially when I kind of release her, then gets very stiff in the initial sniffing. And I get very nervous and I try to, you know, breathe deeply and,
0: <laughs> not, keep, not, can and keep breathing. Yes,
1: I know, which is so hard because your body stiffens and then you're like, oh, I should, you know, grab up on the leash. But nope. Um, so she gets stiff and then usually the other dog and. I will have to do like the leash untangle dance. And then at that point, I'm often like, thank you. And I try to get out of there just to like, be like, it was successful. Here's some cookies. Let's let's like basically run away. <laughs> um, sometimes, you know, the person's like chatting. And then after the stiff greeting, I would say, actually every time that I've done it, Brian has, I have a different story. Um, but every time I've done a greeting like that, most of the time it ends in like the leash untangling and we exit, or if they want to stick around and chat, um, then June will kind of play bow and ready to like, she gets very springy and excited. So like, that's typically how it goes. But Brian recently, we ran into actually the dog friend that we've been walking with um, on a Wednesday basis. (laughs) And we ran into that dog on a Friday and they were dog sitting. So Brian was like, okay, I'm going to try a greet because this is a dog she knows Um, and that dog's buddy. So hopefully this goes well. So my dog greeted the dog we walk with um and then sort of like stiffened up when it went to say hi to the dog that our friends were house sitting for and brian was like i definitely probably stiffened up on the leash but she like she got very stiff in that moment and then like started like like pretty intensely barking so he just kind of like manhandled her out of there not like in a way that he was like it wasn't like i thought she was gonna bite the dog but it definitely switched and that was the first time that he had done a greeting on the leash i think in a long time or since we've been doing this oh no that's not true he met a puppy once and it went very well like I think June also gets it like she knows small dogs you got to be gentle she shows her belly she's like very good but so yeah he was bummed that like the dog friend's friend didn't go as well as he had hoped so and I wasn't there so I don't have data on what actually went down but he came back and he's like oh I saw Ripley and it you know it wasn't perfect <laughs> but
0: at least I met a dog so you know it's
1: It's so funny. It's like, we're, we're in the way at this point. She's fine.
0: (laughs) And it's, it is, it's so difficult. Right. And you know, I, a lot of the videos that you uploaded, right. For me during reactive redefines, I I hope that some of my reframing and like narrating what was happening in the video Mm -hmm. helped you just learn a little bit more about body language. Right. Because Mm -hmm. You just you encounter so many different dogs who all have to be on leash who are all experiencing probably a similar a similar level of conflict that June is right, mm-hmm. and you know it takes it takes so much time to learn right I've been at this for eleven years, and I feel like I still have so much to learn about body language, but I love how you are slowly but surely learning more and allowing her to greet in situations where you think she can be successful. And I love that you are doing those weekly walks with her friend, right? Because we talked mm-hmm. about how what a great training opportunity that is. And that's still a great way to continue her social life just in a more productive way.
1: Absolutely. Well, it's so funny, too. It's like, it's great that we have the dog training and that we're going on walks. But like her basic walking skills go out the window because she's just so jazzed. She's like basically a sled dog at that point and like pulling me down the street. And I'm like, what happened to this loose leash walking angel that I walk? most days of the week. And then she's just like, Oh mom, I'm with my friend and my friend's friends and we're going to be running. So it's just, it's like not enjoyable for me, but I'm like, okay, I'm glad she's happy. Whatever.
0: <laughs> oh my God. Right. We, we just have to strike that balance. We just have to strike that balance. Okay. So um, I want to talk just a little bit more about the group calls. Cause I feel like for you and Brian, I feel like it was good perspective on like while June can be leash reactive and reactive to dogs in certain circumstances, She also gave you a lot of things for free.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. Oh my goodness. And I remember saying this and I was like, I hope this isn't like offensive, but one of the other group call people was sharing that their dog, like had recently like bit nipped at a person on a walk and that they have like, you know, just much more complicated issues than we have. And I was like, and it's not like I didn't know that dogs existed like that. I had a friend who really put such time money effort and energy into a dog right in the beginning of the pandemic and I had to relinquish him and was it was awful and heartbreaking and you know like you don't wish that on anybody but i was like i it was like a good reminder that i was like yeah our dog is very high functioning especially considering this challenging environment we're in but um but yeah it was sort of like a helpful reframe at least for me and i Brian too definitely like how lucky we are and how highly skilled she really is at navigating um navigating these circumstances that we you know put her in I suppose um but the group calls were it was great too to just kind of see different dogs react in different ways too I think per your comment about body language is like ultimately it doesn't matter quite as much if I can read every single dog but you know if we are going to do on leash dog readings I'm like hyper fixated on my dog and maybe I should like widen my gaze just a little bit and look at what's going on with both of them um and it was really cool to see like how other people implemented you know that like everyone's training plan was different but just like the skills that other people were working on and i think it was so funny too is like we had both because Brian and i like did not quite have as much time as we had hoped to dedicate to the weeks that we were in the course like we barely got through the content at all so i'm like yay that i can still access this for the rest of time but yeah. also i was like oh, those people are working on that and they're doing this and I've never even heard of that skill. I was like, OK, I, we have a like a lot more than kind of the the sort of tunnel vision I got with just like the one change that we made, the one big change about like the timing and moving from management to engagement. And um Yeah, it was funny. It was like every week I'd take video and I was like, oh, we got such good videos this week. And I looked at them. I was like, this is literally the same content I sent Rachel last week. (laughs) I mean, it's like, it was like one skill and her mostly succeeding because it is working very well. I was just like, oh my God, it's, it, it was just like comical to me each week. I was also in grad school for the last two years and like bumped right up finishing that against starting this and I was like I just have school brain and I felt like such a bad student because so I was like I'm not doing my homework I'm like not getting all this and it was just this funny kind of dynamic where I was like I've barely even touched this content I haven't read the book the chapter for the week you know like that kind of feeling but I am really excited actually to like now with sort of the base that we've laid go back and like look at all the other skills and kind of level up on my own in that way
0: well and it's like you know we very intentionally include everything basically any reactive dog guardian could need in the content it's very intentional so that it's (laughs) it's there when you need it you know and it's like it's I I did a podcast episode recently about the cyclical nature of life with dogs right and that's exactly what you're describing right like we kind Uh of have this ebb and flow of sometimes we have the time and sometimes we don't but it's it's really exciting for me to think about you all as a team because you know we talked about this so much in our one-on-ones too That like you're just in the infancy of your relationship with her. You know what I Mm -hmm. mean? Like there's so much more that you can teach her and it's only going to get better. And I'm Mm -hmm. really excited for you all as a team, right? Because you do. You have such a brilliant foundation. You have such a great working relationship with her that like teaching her some of the new skills that maybe you didn't get to during reactive redefined is not going to be hard, right? It's just about like, okay, now we're actually going to focus on this. And June's going to be like, oh, we're doing this new skill. Oh, yeah, I can do that for you.
1: yeah absolutely and I think and you kept hammering home the point too that like she not only are things cyclic and like our group our group calls often people talked about whack-a-mole you know like you kind of like get really good at one thing and then all of a sudden this like new thing pops up I felt that far before joining reactive redefine like we and I think actually the timing of why we joined was because we had like seen this shift in her you know and it's just so funny. It's like, she'll get like excellent on the leash and then she'll be chaotic in the house or she'll be like really fun and doing this one thing. And then like something else. I'm like, who are you? What is happening? But she, your point, I guess, was always like, she is also younger and behavior change, like just generally is more likely in that first couple year period where they're still like, not, not adult dogs yet. And so I was like, yes, not only is I think this true of just life where you get good at one thing over here and then they throw you a curveball on the other side. But it is like she is young and she's still kind of just becoming who she is. And I think you also made the point that at which I didn't know that she is at an age where like this stuff might crop up more. Is it can you actually speak a little bit or remind me what that was? It's like when they get to two or three, it's like they might actually... Be a little more ornery than they were
0: before. Yeah, what... and it's like, you know, when dogs hit social maturity, there's a big shift in their perception of the world, right? Things mm-hmm. shift from like, I call it rainbows and ponies, right? So, like, mm-hmm life is just a little bit more serious. And I think that that's exactly what happened for June, right? That she was just like, cool, I'm not a puppy anymore. I'm an adult. I live in a very busy place. There are a lot of dogs. And I think she was really just feeling conflicted about like, how she was supposed to deal with that. And I have to commend you, right? Because you really double down on like, we are going to train her in the most like positive, like force-free way we possibly can. And it's yielding huge success. And I think that Not that it was missing before, but I think this element of, like, June trusting that, like, you've got her back, I think that that's really coming Mm -hmm. to fruition a lot stronger now, actually, that she's an adult. Right. Because she, she knows that she can default back to you in those situations where she's not sure. And she can Mm -hmm. be reinforced for that. Right. So she actually, she has shifted. I think that she is like a little bit more serious, which is normal. We see this in all dogs, but I think that actually has benefited you in the way that like, now she's kind of like, okay. I'm going to look to my person, they're going to help me if I'm feeling uncomfortable, and I think that that has helped prevent her kind of like just immediately going into reactivity mode, right? She's able mm-hmm. to think there's a little bit more pausing and like, wait a minute, what if I just check back in with my human right now? <laughs> right? So, yeah, those those natural changes they happen a lot in dogs. And, you know, I think we talked about this in our one-on-ones too, right? During the program is that like she presumably came from like a rural area. She is a combination of so many breeds. It's likely she came from like a free roaming population to some degree. And the fact that she has adapted and adjusted to the city as well as she has, like, we just have to celebrate that as a baseline. Yeah. Right? Yeah, no,
1: absolutely. <laughs>
0: absolutely. Oh my God. Okay. So tell the listeners, how are you feeling about being a part of Reactive Redefined? Are you glad you did it? Right
1: yeah I'm so glad I did it I think and not to throw my partner on the bus, but he's not on he didn't have the sort of i think foundational he didn't grow up with dogs he had a dog as an adult with um like his roommate's dog but um I think I've sort of been the driver in this relationship about the style of training, and I think just like the way that we see the world is slightly different. I think what I was saying earlier about how um, you know, my perception of dog ownership has gotten more force-free um, over time, and I hope that that's true. But I was like, that has to be sort of true if I came to that on my own. And then, because of the training we ended up with, and my friends suggesting a few people who were R plus, um, I've just sort of like integrated that into my sort of life philosophy. And my partner is not on social media. And when we decided to get the dog, we didn't have like an explicit conversation about our plus. And so I think our just like approach and um, yeah, like theory on the whole thing, I guess, or philosophy on the whole thing is different. And so I'm glad that I did it for myself, but also for me, it felt like a you know, I can't sit here and be like, this is the right way or the best way you I like need you to come to that on your own. And you're going to be able to hear that better from a trainer, not from me nagging you to do it a different way. And so and I will say, honestly, I don't think he's bought in completely. Um, I I think because, because I've been on this journey longer and able to really like I can loosely walk with her for 45 minutes. You know, if we take dogs out of the equation, like she is very good with me on the leash and she gives him trouble like 50% of the time. So I think, and he will acknowledge that. He's like, you're better with her on the leash. And so I think he does believe that like I have done something right, but he is in his own way because he gets frustrated and like really does have, and you know, this is no knock to him. I think as a society, we are all bred to yeah. To think about punishment and control. um, And it comes out naturally. And so, I, I mean, I I mean, I could wax poetic about how beautiful I think R plus is, and um, how much of even a shift I've had, and just like learning more about it. But yeah, I think just for our dog parenting together and trying to get more on the same page is is ultimately going to help. That was the one thing we did sort of like contract about when we got the dog. We we're like, we must be really consistent. We have to train this puppy. Like, if to use the same words, do it the same way. You know, like you're setting yourself up for success. You think. And then we basically drove each other crazy. So we were like, this dog is clearly whip smart. Like, let's just walk her how we're going to walk her on our own because we have opposite schedules anyway. We barely get to walk her together. Um, And so I was like, why would we adhere to one way if the dog is responding fine to both of us? So I think like for me, this was my best attempt at sort of like hoping he would drink Kool-Aid and And I think he has, but I think he is frustrated because his expectation of her being that she is very smart. And, you know, he really just like wants her to have a full life. He's, I think he's more um, prone to expecting quicker, quicker results and wanting her to be perfect. And he's like, I don't think it's working. And I have to like talk him off the ledge a lot. And whereas I'm like, yeah, I get frustrated at her too. But I also like I think because I have the backbone of the, like the training style of the philosophy more, it's easier for me to just be like, and that was one walk. It's not like who she is. So, um, yeah. so yeah, that was a lot, but I just like, I think being in a space with other dog owners, like what we were talking about with the group calls and kind of like spoon feeding him like little doses of this new philosophy has been at least for me i'm like good at least you know we don't have to get it right quote unquote in the next 2 months or months but like maybe by the time she's 5 or 6 like we really will be on the same page and she will have made a bunch of progress and i think hopefully he'll be like oh yeah cool that was like because of this early training that we did
0: yeah and i think it was cool too like being able to see videos of you both working her and being able to kind of give like feedback and tweaks that way right because it's normal right like of course, dogs are going to respond differently to different people. Of course, they are. That's just mm-hmm. the nature of it, right? But yeah, I think that um, it was really awesome to coach you both, right? Like, mm-hmm. and, and giving you you both kind of your own tweaks to the program. Okay, so Natalie, if you had to give one piece of advice to the listeners who maybe have a dog who sounds a lot like June, what would you tell them?
1: Mm, wow. <laughs> I mean, I. God, this is like dark sounding, but I think because I watched my friend relinquish a dog and I really did see how much energy she put into it. She ultimately made like very much the right choice, both for herself and for that dog. And she spent a lot of effort and time rehoming him so that he would be where he is. But because my dog is um, not as much of a handful or not as we didn't present the same challenges, I think this is an advice. This is just a statement. It's like your dog is worth it, but only if like you have the capacity to do so, you know? And I think had we tried to do reactive redefined while I was still in grad school, like we would have not had any sort of success. Like I, we barely, I feel like I was saying earlier, had the time and attention to put into it that I would have liked, but like, yeah, I think, no one wants to give up their dog. And I think everyone is really doing the best that they can with the skills that they have and the circumstances that they have. But I guess my, my non-advice is like, yeah, if you think you can give your dog like the chance to learn this really cool content in such a humane way, like nothing is a better feeling than that. And if you don't, like you're not a terrible person (laughs) and like, you're also hopefully long term doing that dog. If it's giving you a hard time, you know, like a, a better service.
0: Yeah. And I love that you bring that up, right? Because, and I know all of you listening have heard me talk about this a lot, right? But um, dogs are highly complex emotional beings and dogs who present potentially dangerous behaviors are very challenging, mm-hmm. right? More yeah. so than than June's leash reactivity can be, right? So that is very wise words. Okay. Natalie, do you, <laughs> um, do you want to share your Instagram handle if people wanted to see pictures of her connect with you? Oh my
1: God. Yeah. Cause she's so cute. Um, it's my, it's mostly my name. So N as in Natalie and then Golbuff, which is unfortunately spelled last name. (laughs) It's just how it sounds, but people love to add extra letters. So it's G O L B as in boy U F F both as in Frank. So N Golbuff on Insta. (laughs)
0: Amazing. And then they can see how cute she is.
1: Yeah, it's turned into mostly a
0: dog account anyway. So, yeah, that's <laughs> basically the best her Instagram handle. accounts too. Oh <laughs> my gosh. Natalie, thank you so much for sharing your experience. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for the chat. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you need help with your dog's behavior, you can learn more about our training services at a com. We post training inspiration and training tips almost daily over on the Instagram at a underscore nco. If you like this podcast, we would be so grateful if you could share it with a friend or family member who could benefit from all of the information. Um, It's been a total delight. We love this podcast so much. And thank you so much for listening to Disorderly Dogs.